I said that I needed a break. What I meant was every bone in your face. We are Hottest One Hunters and Thousands, and we've taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we talk about the songs and musicals that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. My name is Bevan James Young, and I am one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so. Joining me once again, it's Bevan Buncher. Hello. Bevan Harrison. Hi. And Andrew McBevan. Hey. Yeah, g'day, boys. G'day, boys. Yeah, all right. We, uh, we've been talking about a lot of pretty iconic uh, musicians and bands and artists throughout this countdown. You know, some, some immortals like Bob Marley and, you know, some local up-and-comers like Eskimo Joe. But what can you say about this next artist? Someone that has really helped to revolutionise the sound of music as we know it today. One of the real innovators, I would say. I'd put him up there, you know, with your Lennons, McCartney's. This is a man that needs no introduction, so I'm just going to give it to you. At number 35, Peter Hellyer. And this is Bevan, the musical. Very generous saying it's by Peter Hellyer. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, this is Bevan, the musical. It's a journey, a celebration of one man's life. The rise, the fall, the rise again of Bevan Adensall from Young Talent Time. There will be tears... There will be laughter, hopefully. But ultimately, this is a tale of triumph, of one man's courage, determination and fashion sense against the odds. And what is a musical without a huge opening number? Ooh, I'm searching for a better guy. Ooh, look good in a pink jacket with a skinny tie, Bevan. Must be there You know he's got to be there Yeah, Bevan Get Bevan here I just want to look at his face Now every story has a beginning Just like every rose has its thorn Just like every night has its thorn Just like every cowboy sings a... No, we're getting sidetracked here Now, Bevan was just a normal kid Dreaming of singing Dreaming of dancing Dreaming of not being a normal kid anymore then one, one bright summer's day, a mysterious stranger arrived on Bevan's doorstep with an opportunity of a lifetime. That stranger was Johnny Young, being played today by Noiseworks John Stevens, who is being played today by Gatesy from Tripod. Take Debbie Byrne away from me. Peter Hellyer, that's right. Rove McManus's best friend, Peter Hellyer. I'm only familiar with his work on The Project. Oh, of course. <laughs> Walida Lee's best friend, Peter Hellier. Here he is. Here he is. This is happening. Uh, This came in at number 35 in the 1999 Hottest 100. This is Bevan the Musical. Let's take you back to the late 90s and let's take you back to a young up-and-coming breakfast team by the name of Merrick and Rosso. And one of their frequent guests was a young up-and-coming stand-up comedian by the name of Peter Hellier. And one of the recurring bits on the show was having also... Again, another group of up-and-coming comedians by the name of Tripod. Somehow, this fascinating Venn diagram of Aussie culture came in to really hone in on uh, something that was all part of their respective childhoods, which was young talent time. And uh, one of the oft-forgotten contestants on that show. I don't know the full extent of just why this came to be in the first place, but I'm so glad that it exists. It's literally one joke. Gadesy from Tripod can think of a lot of songs where you can find the word heaven in the title. Heaven? Now, I don't know if you guys know this. I don't know if you've picked up a rhyming dictionary recently, (laughs) but heaven rhymes a lot with the word Bevan. Like you need one to stay up to date with rhymes? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh shit, this rhymes with this now. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Do you think this was, you know how when Adam and Will were on Triple J, they used to invite Tripod in to write a song in an hour? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think this was a similar kind of thing? That's the vibe I got. Yeah, yeah. It, it very, very, very possible that, uh, yeah, Hellier came up with the idea and then he was just like, oi, can you think of a bunch of songs where Heaven's in the title and then replace them with Bevan mm. and then just change the lyrics slightly? It's a bizarre, bizarre thing. This is the first of many instances in which a uh, Triple J in-joke 
uh, will make its way into the hottest 100. Like like uh, a versions. Uh, mostly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take him to school, son. <laughs> Is this the first... Like in Triple house. J, like the first in-house content to make it in ever? I reckon. I think it is, I, right? I, I'm almost certain. Mm. Yeah. Salmon uh, Hater hasn't Yeah, we've got yet. Salmon Hater in a couple of years. Uh, and then there was also the year where Craig Rucastle bet Chris Taylor that the Media Watch theme song could get in the, in the top 10 of the Hottest 100. Literally enough people voted for it, like added in the vote themselves, that it got number eight. But that was unofficial, right? Yeah, because yeah. it, it, it didn't, come out, it didn't come out that year, so the votes didn't count. <laughs> Where does that ever stop them? <laughs> but it didn't matter anyway, because the whole premise was if Chris lost the bet, then he had to do a nudie run at the big day out. And that's exactly what he did. He sent that hog flying. <laughs> Oh, we have we have fun on Triple J. We really do. It's the um, we love music. See the the thing with this song. Like, again, I'm super stoked it's here because silly in joke voted in whatever funny. I don't have the cultural attachment, so I don't know who Bevan is. I've well, never that's wa- the point. No one knew who Bevan was. Like oh, this right, was the I- season with like Tina Arena and Danny Minogue and shit like that. He was like he was like the runner up, runner up. Right. Okay. Um, I thought he must have yeah, been. Yeah, for us it would be like. I don't know, like Cosima DeVito or something like that. You know, like an obscure, like uh, Australian Idol finalist. Right. Yeah, like like a real like fourth place Australian Idol yeah. that like that people would know. Mm. And the the bit is that he was a no, like he just yeah. didn't make it. Yeah. yeah. You know, he was part of a show that churned out some huge stars, yeah. and he was not. He one was of not them. one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think the uh, the best rhyme is the um the funniest one is that if you saw me with Bevan. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that, that's it's extremely good crass. Yeah. To play yeah. That yeah. Song. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. it's it's beyond a critical approach, right? It's a silly, funny song that they just mucked about on Brooklyn's radio. The recording you can hear Mary. C- laughing through the goddamn <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. That's very endearing. Yeah. yeah. It's just it's just them having fun. It was fun almost on... the same when when Tripod did song in an hour as well. You can just hear <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. that's Will and then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was Adam. <laughs> and very good, different laughs. Good Adam and Will laughs. Yeah. D- d- very different ends of the sonic spectrum. They obviously were just goofing off in the morning when it's like early, and like it's fun as in, like, as in they had work to do and like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> come Tripod, on guys you didn't get these to... reports back yeah. <laughs> we wrote this silly song yeah. <laughs> like I had fun listening to it enough yeah it is I what laughed. it is yeah I laughed the, if you saw me with Bevan is the funniest part like yeah, yeah. yeah. Peter is not doing the lifting in this yeah. song oh, like, no. the, it's tripod the, yeah exactly well it's just Gatesy in... I'm pretty sure all right. Well, Scott's in it because in part two, Scott sings. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yon's just f- fucking doing nothing. <laughs> but it's good. I'm kind of happy that... I'm happy it's here, sure. Yeah. Oh, and God, yeah. It's it's very silly and, and it's as very As much funny. as, you know, not all the in-house content that makes it in the countdown is good, I like when the Hottest 100 isn't just a big music poll. I like when it is reflective of... Australian culture to a Australian certain culture, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I like when it couldn't have just happened in America or somewhere yeah, else. And, yeah. and like, obviously, no American countdown featured Bevan in the musical in 1999. So, yeah, it's good. Particularly, like, capturing the particular culture that surrounds Triple J at this time, you know. And this is a time where that happened more because I think as the countdown has gone on, as we've, you know, talked about many times with other kind of niche entries whether they be just from you know local bands in the earlier kind of countdowns that we had never heard of but they're encapsulated in in the hottest 100 or you know as we start to see just small slices of culture or you know like uh, songs from chef aid yeah you know yeah. like well, like they all kind of get in and and it, it's it's very much reflective of a kind of culture that rallies around this particular countdown that you know as it's grown larger it kind of doesn't have so that's i mean that's the value of seeing this here right like yeah. it's, well, it's, it's like it's the like, encapsulation of that we can't forget that in the first countdown asshole beat creep exactly yeah. like mm. that's right there, there is that, we've said that sounds like a 2019 headline yeah <laughs> yeah that we've said this a few times but like there is something so pure about it feeling like it's our countdown as Australians and people in alternative culture like compared to like in the contemporary countdowns where you get like Rihanna and Drake songs mm. like not like they, they, <laughs> Rihanna they, and Drake bring back Helen and uh, Mikey yeah. <laughs> they don't need the push from Australia's alternative radio station no and it's kind of cool seeing a comedian and their comedy musician mates m- mucking about in the studio and that being like number 35 that's yeah. there, that is really cool it's yeah. pretty much third hand fun yeah to, li- to listen to it now 
But I'm still glad that there is fun. It is, it is fun. third hand uh, fun. Yeah, it's, thir- it's third hand, at yeah. least. If not, a, if not fourth hand fun. But good. Hmm. You know, good for them. Good for Bevan. <laughs> what do yeah. they thinks? That'd be weird, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, critiquing it as a song... It, it doesn't feel right because it's just some guys having fun in the studio, right? Yeah. That's right. That's yeah, right. Sure. This, is, this is like us, you know, removing the critical hats for a little while yeah. and just kind of going like, well, here's this. It is It is for me <clears> like <throat> a weird, like, because now American Rosso are triple M, right? Probably. I don't think they do stuff together anymore. Oh, right. Yeah. No, I think not that long ago, whatever. Listening to this now is, is just, I'm just like, oh yeah, these guys were like all very funny and now I don't, and not that I like find this hilarious to listen to, to now but at the time I'm sure it would have been awesome but now you know it's just like uh, yeah yeah. you get attached to like a lot of Aussie comedians uh, like when they're on the fringes you know and mm. then when they're part of like the cultural zeitgeist it's so easy to lose touch with them like I used to think Julia Morris was really really funny and she had some really good stuff in stand up and stuff like that and then when she got more and more like was on more commercials and was on like I'm a celebrity and shit like that I'm just like I don't know if you were ever that funny. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Right? Any, like, uh, Aussie comics that, you know, get a whiff of, like, mainstream exposure. Well, God damn, it's it's so hard. I think it's way easier to be a comedian on your own terms and all of a sudden you're known as a comedian and you have to suddenly be a media personality who's expected to be funny. Yeah, right? 100% it's of the so time. It's so hard to manage that. Like, no thanks. I think yeah. there's only a handful that can do it. Like, Joel Creasy fucking nails it. You stick a camera on him and he's fucking away. So, yeah. but also, but it's like, it's every, like, all these other comics will just say, uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, because they haven't had the time to go away to and craft. work on material, which is what you do when you're a, when you're a comic, I imagine. Yeah, yeah it's well, crazy. It's, but yeah. also it's like comedy thrives on subversion, right? And then when you are the media or you're part of the mainstream, like no comedian makes their best material five years after they've blown up. This comes back to this song as well, I think, because there's the radio bit. We all, we all know like there's a culture in radio to, to have there be bits and often they feel incredibly forced and they're not really that great. And, you know, like, but, you know, they have, there's this facade that goes on being like, oh, it was so good. It was yeah. so great. This just feels like organic in ways that that isn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? This just feels like it came about, wouldn't it be funny if we did this? Yeah, let's do it. And it's it's just throwaway enough. It's not trying to be anything too much. And obviously people rallied around it enough just as an organic homegrown thing that kind of occurred joke that kind of happened within the triple j community and team that it got in at number 35 yeah it's the it's the 35 guys it's fully the difference between like the way that eric andre or tim and eric are funny compared to like saturday night live or any of the late night shows which are just like crap yeah like yeah like the, the the Tim and Eric style or like this feels like organic and like it'd be funny if we did this and this happened to blow up and we'd be enough to be they're here that's cool yeah. compared to like mainstream like you know what I did the other day? What did you do the other day, mate? Like, that kind of, like, it's not going to be funny. But also, also again, like, I want to wade in and say in the same way that, you know, you, you have these comedians who are forced to be funny on main mm. all the time. Like <laughs> that, Funny on main. Yeah. Dude, that's the position that most radio hosts find themselves in as yeah. well. Like, if you just wake up in the morning going to do a breakfast radio show and you don't feel particularly funny... It doesn't matter. You have to. It's, it's three, a job. Because it's 3 a.m. Yeah. Like, you have to be spontaneous and funny and just be on all the time yeah. like god that's hard yeah. like, oh man it'd be fucking crazy for sure yeah so spare a thought spare a thought <laughs> for <laughs> dear listeners spare a thought for Peter Hellier out here with the kids the next time you're listening to the radio judging having, having a good old judge it's hard man yeah <laughs> Maybe it's hard. Maybe it's hard What's to have that, a What good are those podcast? fucking kids that do yeah, breakfast maybe- radio now on Triple J? Ben and Liam? Yeah. Like, they got fucking slaughtered. Got yeah. 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 And, like, how fucked is that? Like, they're just yeah. fucking... They were, like, two, like, 20-something kids from Adelaide, like, living their literal dream. Yeah. And everyone's just like, fuck your dream. Like, yeah. it, oh, it's disgusting, man. It's not great. It's yeah. not on. What the world needs is more empathy. No, Absolutely. It's not judgment. And more fucking radio musicals. That's That's what I'm after. And number 34, this is Frenzel motherfucking Rom with you. You are not my friend. Never, ever, ever again. That ever. Good. That was a good rating. Ever, ever, ever. <laughs> I never felt bad lending your hand. I think your hopes I wouldn't be in a band. Broken ashtray I can always replace. I kick the door, then I spit in your face. You and 
Words Are Wrong coming in at number 34 with You Are Not My Friend, which is the opposite thing that I can say about Mr. Nathan Harrison. Hey, I was going to say, we're all going to say some things soon, but we want to be very clear that we're all friends. Yeah, we're all friends here. Yeah, Friends Are Wrong. What can, what can you say about this band that hasn't already been said? Yeah, well, you know, as has been well documented, this is the friends of like Andrew and I, like uh, one of our first big formative loves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like friends of Rome were the first band I really got into ever. That's how I learned about getting into music and how I got into music as a whole. This is a weird song to talk about though, because it's just like it's the big single. This is the kind of Friends of Rom song that this people is absolutely that aren't into the Friends first Friends of song I heard. Yeah, yeah, right. This is just like a beautiful pop song it's it's like actually just sincerely lovely isn't it yeah like, something that most of the songs on a, a man's not a camel does is a really like beautiful summary kind of guitar tone it's like mixed very differently to every other friends or rom album it sounds nothing like it definitely not as heavy as any other the, album. the, the album i actually wrote here as well like it's, it feels like late summer afternoon yeah right and that's what this song is like it's lazy the way the way the guitar kind of slides around everywhere like there's no rush with anything in this song which is just like a weird kind of vibe to have for i guess a breakup song or like a friend breakup song or whatever you know something that is quite definitive i love this yeah i think this, this is actually beautiful this yeah, is, yeah. It's I, beautiful. I love beautiful um, I don't know something about it just seems very serene and sweet to me and just i think the, like the imagery as well like it's it's a lot more like there's more imagery than a standard friends or rom song mm. And there's something very nice about that. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird talking about Friends of Rom songs because, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, obviously... Close. Listen the to goggles, this song. The goggles of yeah, nothing. Yeah, yeah. Fused, welded onto my brain, you know? Yeah. So, I really like the, the crooning aspect of it and how they're playing with this idea of nice music. But inside a punk shell, right? They cannot divorce themselves from being in a punk context. Mm. So, automatically, them doing anything, quote, unquote, nice, it takes on a different vibe of its own because it's inside that shell, but they do it so earnestly that then all of a sudden it becomes punk that they are doing it earnestly because it operates within that context. And so it becomes more punk. And then it does the whole thing just kind of generates this really interesting tension that sits within the song of of what they're doing and what they're playing with, which I think is sick. Like, I think that's really good because when it comes down to it, everyone's putting in a lot of work here. The baseline, just special shout out there. Well, Lex is a horse. Hundred so. percent. It's just so sick. How good's um in like like the middle section, Gordy on the Roto Toms. Boom, 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 boom. Like, but also the way he so precisely matches with the rhythm of the vocals in the chorus yeah. is just very satisfying. And speaking of vocals, I think Jay actually sounds really nice. He sounds like him, yeah, right? Yeah. And he's still carrying that. You know, I really don't give a fuck punk attitude but that's just inherent in his vocals. But he, the texture of his voice is smooth as silk. Yeah, considering in his own words, it's an annoying vocal whine. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that self-awareness is so yeah. great. Too. Um, I think particularly that the last verse, the lean to the chorus there, and I'm sure as right that you were never my friend. He croons into it so easy. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I wouldn't be surprised if like... He would never admit this out loud, but it's like, I secretly really love I just like proud of singing. Yeah. <laughs> Getting the opportunity to have a good sing. Yeah. You know what I mean? The parts of Jay that you that like, you'd easily be like, oh yeah, he's awesome at that. Like his yells are so fucking good. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yells yeah. Are Unbelievably like, good. In one, one of my favorite yells of his is- Bird um, Attack. Bird Attack, very good. Um, but also <laughs> oh, um, in, in World's Fucked Us, Cunt. Yeah. <laughs> Such yeah. a good yeller, but like then when he gets a chance to just like you can almost see this being like a lounge song, right? Yeah, fully. Like, yeah, or just like you know the band's hanging out in an afternoon. It's like, hey guys, yeah. do you want to go to karaoke? Again? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I just uh, I know it's lame, but we should just yeah, do it. Should, yeah. yeah, wouldn't it be heaps punk if we just ironically, <laughs> yeah, went and did heaps of karaoke? But you can definitely hear the acoustic song that it was written as as yeah. first before that you know got built into the band song. I think Camel kind of is an outlier of their sound of their studios and this song in particular because this is this track two on the record first song has ever had so much fun high yeah. energy punk rock the song right after this which is not which was not a single is it's up to you which is one of their more furious mm. like slap bass driven punk rock songs and this sandwich in the middle it's like oh yeah we actually can do lovely songs as well guys yep yeah yeah, I distinctly remember hearing this as a kid. It's a weird one because, like, Frenzel are not a kid-friendly band, but for whatever <laughs> reason, they were doing a lot of uh, exposure stuff, and they were on an episode of the uh, 
Warner Brothers afternoon show What's Up Doc. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember seeing this six foot motherfucker with purple dreadlocks being like, what the fuck is this? Man, that's cool. What's the deal? And then, yeah, I, I heard the song. And I was like, yeah, nice. That's sick. And then the song War was on a, like, one of those 100% hits compilations. I remember that. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I was just like, huh, it's, it's, it's this band. Cool. But it wasn't until, like, later on, I think, like, 2003, 2004, that I, like, I fully understood it. And it all started clicking. But, yeah, the puzzle pieces were starting to form with <laughs> You Are Not My Friend. I've always had a soft spot for this song because of that very reason. Because... You, you know, forget not your first love. I, I feel like it's a track that really, really holds up. It's a departure, like, I wouldn't really call it, like, a punk song, like a traditional punk song, but it still shows Frenzel having working parts and stuff like that, and it's it's really cool and really exciting to see. Some inside baseball talk here, but um, when Nathan and I were in high school, we had a DNT teacher, Mr. Zubovic. Mr. Paul, if you're out there... Give us a five star. Um, um, <laughs> what a way to reconnect. Yeah. Um, and he got Nathan and I into a lot of punk rock music. He was the first person to introduce me to the Stooges. Mm. Like, owe him a big debt. Um, and he always kind of like jokingly would shit on Nathan and I living in front of the ROM so much because in his words, they were too poppy. And I think this is the kind of stuff he was talking about. Yeah, that's Because fair. like this, like, if you're not listening to the albums and you only hear like the singles, like this is... Yeah, quite a pop song. Hey, I mean, you know, friends are like are a pop, yeah, they're a pop, poppy, poppy they're, they're, they're poppier than like the fucking raw the power meanies, you know, yeah, 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 exactly. He would always um, bring in CDs and give you the more straight punk stuff, and then really like in a mean way, <laughs> give me the other one. It was like, I think you'd prefer this, Nathan. <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Mm. That's and fine. Some, but like to be, some of the stuff he gave me was not good because it was too thrashy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it's like, oh man, badly recorded 80s hardcore. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Come on. I was like, I just want to listen to Friends of Rob. <laughs> Which is probably what I said the most when I was 15 years old. <laughs> was that your yearbook quote? <laughs> I'd rather be listening to Friends of Rob. <laughs> hey, Nathan. Are you ready? Mm, on a scale of... Zero to one. One. There's a ready one at number 33. This is Grinspoon. That day, one. Very good. Strong. <laughs> Strong. <laughs> good content. <laughs> Spoon coming in at number 33 in the 1999 Hottest 100. That's Rep D1. It comes from the album Easy. God tier. Absolute timeless fucking classic Grinner's single. One of their best known songs. One of their biggest hits. One that has stood the test of time. One that I think they have played at pretty much every show they've ever played in the last like 20 odd years like i can't imagine a situation in which they wouldn't play this song it it charges out of the gates it comes through it kicks ass it suffers no fools it's it's just a top classic grinspoon song every band should play this song in their set Oh, dude, <laughs> I'm into it. I'm the, into it. The Wiggles. The Wiggles should do it. <laughs> oh, know. dude, oh, as as we all know, Murray can shred. Yeah. So Murray mm-hmm. would absolutely love playing this, I yeah. reckon. It's yeah. about numbers, you know. I mean, Friends of Ron would obviously like to play this. Jay gets to have another sing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, maybe we should cover Grinspoon. <laughs> <laughs> you think about everything that they were doing at this point, and, like, they were just really fine-tuning that sense of, like, they'd done, like, more of, like, the rap metal sort of, new metal sort of stuff, and this was like more honing in on it's like straight up rock music you know as lame or basic as that might sound well, like that's the thing right because yeah. because like often it's easy and and sometimes very necessary to disparage something when it's going so straight and putting all its chips onto rock and spinning that that dice and rolling that wheel and uh-huh <laughs> gone <laughs> but there's when it's done right 
as it is with this because it's just like condensed down and delivered with such a, uh, a momentum and a laser-like focus. You feel the thrill of that music. It's a particular kind of thrill that only that music when it's done exceptionally well can deliver. And I think there's no better case in point than just like the way the vocals deliver a line and then the guitar just follows along with it. And the way that the guitar sounds is just so huge. Mm. I've said this about other Grinspoon songs before, but it really does feel like when you're listening to this you're being shot out of a cannon <laughs> yeah yeah a, totally but it's kind of like it, it, not unlike the spider bait song we talked about last week but like you don't have to figure this out no the parts are all front and center and doing what they're meant to do and connecting how they and you're just there for it it's like when you open a kinder surprise mm-hmm. and instead of one of the ones you put together it's just is a statue but of they a, suck but, but we were putting them together, together is the best part yeah but what if it was a statue of like something just sick but it still would have been better if <laughs> I had nah, put it, was, it together it was like a ninja if it was or if you could crack open a, 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 a pirate a yeah. rocket ninja a robot rocket ninja fucking old school internet <laughs> meme joke there ninja <laughs> pirate if you could crack open a kinder e and inside you get a <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> just, a, just a good old K-Egg. Yeah. You grab a- <laughs> Jesus Christ. Side of Smash it. <laughs> Get this kid the surprise. This is ketamine. Yeah, that's a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you're K and E. You're cracking open the... If you crack open the... Keza. If you crack open the keg. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you got a statue. The only way that it'd be better than making one would be if you got the uh, Mr. Vaporwave statue from the Macintosh Plus. <laughs> The little bust, the Roman bust. Wait, is that real or are you <laughs> yeah. just designing your own Kinder <laughs> eggs now? Your own vaporwave Kinder yeah, eggs. Yeah. Vaporwave keggies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is a good song. It's oh yeah, it's a, great. It's very, very I was good. gonna say, like, um, all the time growing up when I heard this song, I always assumed there were two guitars, but when I saw them. I realised he's literally playing li- rhythm and lead at the same goddamn time. I was like, that's fucking impressive. Yeah. I- I- I've definitely talked about this in the past, that just Pat Davin is a very solid, like, fucking big sounding lead guitarist and he he gets his shit in and he makes it fucking count and you'll find no better example of that than this particular track uh i love uh the classic rock uh staple of yeah this segment's gonna be me shouting into a megaphone i reckon (laughs) every great rock band needs a megaphone moment i don't know it's it's a tough one to like you know when sometimes you're just like man this fucking rocks and you can't really do like a critique no this just fucking sick i just love listening to it because it, 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 it throws down the gauntlet so successfully right it's just yeah. like from, from when it starts but it's just like you're right adam that kind of thing of being like sometimes a band just wants to like bust out a, like a hard rocking number that's just rock and roll yeah because um, there's a thrill in it yeah you, you gotta do it right and that means I think often it means not doing it by the numbers yeah right and we're seeing really great examples of that as we talked about with Spider Bait last week mm. um, and with Regurgitator in the past like the best rock songs are the ones that don't necessarily follow the formula to a T but interpret the formula in a new way that imbues it with energy again. If, yeah. if nothing else, it's got to have the energy transference. But this is just like chunky and mean and almost metal in parts. Like it's just fucking awesomely heavy, fun, kick-ass rock music. I hear some of the entries for songs that, you know, are from Australian rock in this countdown and I fully understand why there are so many people who are nostalgic for it. You sit on the outside of that without digging into the details and it's very, very easy to just be like, yeah, dad's Miss Rock. That's fine. That's their want. But it's like, then you see actually what you open up that folder of what they actually mean when they say that. And you look at the individual tracks, you you look at the particular things that are missed. And it's like, Australian rock was on fire at this point. And that is so particular of the musical landscape of, of the country. Mm. We were doing it better than anyone else, really. Yeah. Or, or at least in a, in a particular way. Mm-hmm. I get how you could miss this. I yeah. get how you could want... Uh, a movement like this again yeah so lyrically yeah is, is yep. it, the point is it sounds like already one and yep. a ready one right yeah that's like that's it yeah 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 cool i think cool. yeah yep i was just like i think this is like that's what it is yeah cool good great love it yeah do we have any final thoughts I think, yeah, we all would rather build our own hovercraft out of the Kinder Egg. I don't want to make it seem like by talking about (laughs) it, the statue bit, I don't want to make it seem like I was dissing the song. 
Mm. Like I really do think this song is kind of awesome. worse. So. I, know, I, know, like, I think the metaphor was wrong, guys. Yeah. I think because you know what sucks compared to building your own Kinder Egg, getting a Yowie power. Oh my god, Yowie's yeah. so sick. No, what? Are you having a <laughs> laugh? It's the Virgin Yowie versus the Chad Kinder. <laughs> but the toy quality on the whole, yeah, sure, they're all animals. But uh, it's kind of from memory, aren't they just a solid bit of plastic? No, or man. Do, do you build oh, your own Yowie? On. No, 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 no. Because sometimes, well, the thing, the, the little statue bit that you get from the Yowie with the actual Yowies themselves, yeah. are like you played yourself if you picked that one. Well, unfortunately, Wait, I can't see inside the Yowie. Played, before my dad gets me one. Played yourself. <laughs> you should. You should be yelling at your dad for doing you wrong. But otherwise, you get to build sick bilbies, man. Hmm. Do you remember like a couple of years ago that Yowie's the Yowie brand came back a little bit? Yeah, mm. yeah, I do remember they had, that. They feel like it didn't work out. No, I remember. I remember that at the sucks. time. I was. I remember <laughs> reporting on their IPO. They launched. They, they had an initial public offering to rebring to bring back the Yowie brand. Like oh, ridiculous, right. and it never happened. Obviously, no. God I'm, damn I'm, it! I'm, I remember seeing them back in the store. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they were back for a little while. Yeah, I didn't get one. I didn't want to play myself. <laughs> I got a Kinder Egg. <laughs> like what did you adult. get inside the Kinder Egg? You know what? I actually <laughs> think it was a statue one. I, I have vague memories of being disappointed last time. Last time, but I not the vaporwave. <laughs> That's not what. No. That's not it. No. Yeah, that's well, fine. Yeah. Well, I didn't get that one yet. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Fingers crossed. Yeah. Listeners, um, five-star review, best <laughs> thing you got in a Kinder Egg. Yeah. Oh, I like it. Yeah. yeah. Or alternatively, Take, tell us worst story. thing you got in a yeah. Kinder yeah. Egg. Or, and, if, or, and or Yowie If power. you've already left a review and you can't be bothered to make a brand new iTunes account, you can just tell us on Facebook. What's the most hectic thing you've done on Ketamine? <laughs> <laughs> People of the hottest 100,000 extended community, you have waited long enough. <laughs> Unbutton a couple of buttons on your college shirt. And strap your on trousers. Oh, strap on those leather <laughs> pants. Now get your sunburn SG and play the following song at number 32. It's the motherfucking tea party. This is heaven coming down. With nothing to do, you'd waste away. Obscured in exile. The times you've gone astray, and whose fault now you're thinking? Ah, oh, there's nothing to prove. Number 32, that was the tea party with a track called Heaven Coming Down, Adam hey. Buncher. I want to thank everyone for all the feedback that I got um, about my Something for Kate story, uh, where people were like, oh, that was really that was really pure, and I had that a beautiful sharks, kind of experience. Yeah. When I, yeah, I listened to Something for Kate when I was coming home from work, yeah. and I was arrested by how much I loved it, and I just was compelled to go and listen to Something for Kate for the next couple of days. So this story also starts coming home from work, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm also doing some prep. Except while, where I was surprised by Something for Kate... I checked the list here and I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's some tea party coming up. Oh, yeah. I have to do this right now. Because I, I have a bit of a history with this band. Um, <laughs> I don't know if, if you've you, heard. If, you've, if you're a long time listener, you'll be aware. Um, the, in particular, uh, I think this is best evidence on the song Temptation. That was it. Yeah. Uh, Two seasons ago. Temptation! Which I may have described as a shit horny magic show. You mm. did. You did do that. Yeah. <laughs> so... I'm coming home from work. I see there's a tea party song coming up and I'm like, yes, I am so ready to hate. So I throw it on and the first thing I hear is like that that kind of very much with or without you kind of opening. (laughs) And it's just a slow dawning realization. Oh my God, this isn't just the tea party. 
this isn't just the Tea Party doing a ballad. This is the Tea Party doing a ballad in the style of you too, whilst also still being the Tea Party. And it just delivers for me in a way that I didn't think oh. it was possible for it to deliver. It, it, it just writes itself, doesn't it? You've got the shit horny leather clad long-haired pestering magic show of the tea party with the righteous messiah complex grandstanding of you too. Are these the Adam's new carryover chair? <laughs> it gave me exactly what I wanted from this. Like, the way that it's just, again, just all way too sincerely delivered but still coming through with the at the beginning of every single word. Outstanding. It just does everything I wanted it to do. Yeah. It's just exactly what I wanted. But you really, you really want to get angry or something sometimes. Oh, yeah. But it, it bypasses, it does it so thoroughly that it bypasses the anger and goes straight on to joy. Did you, I, did you have a great time listening to this? Absolutely. Yeah. I hate it so much. <laughs> I hate this so much that it fuels me and gives me energy and strength <laughs> and joy. You have to get up early in the morning to hate this song this much. This existentially satisfies me with how much I hate it. <laughs> it's fantastic. And then, and then right at the end, when you think you can't get any better, he delivers the hold on my love section. <laughs> he just goes for it. Ah. <laughs> This was the only number one that this Canadian band had in Canada. Yeah. And it was a number one. Good for them. Top of the hearts. Top so, of the charts. Uh, definitely <laughs> the, top of my heart. I mm. love that um, wow. every time in the chorus, he has the the lyric um, snapshot from the crowd to the shore, baby. And the way he sings the baby. Baby. Like, you can hear his leather just yeah. rippling from a mile away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, I'm, my first note. He's wearing, a, he's wearing a faded vintage Doors shirt. <laughs> Look, no, Jim Morrison was actually a really clever lyricist. Um, have you <laughs> yeah, heard, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the it poetry says, album? It li- yeah, it literally says on the shirt, American Power. Yeah. yeah. Um, my first note in this is, um, Adam will hate this, lol. <laughs> <laughs> I love the um, Those movies, are pretty yeah. much all the fucking notes you need, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, it isn't as bad as Adam will think it is, but it's still very not good. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> You fucking know me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't like this at all. It's just terrible. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's, it's the it's first- pure cheese. Yeah. Ima- people liked this. Yeah. Imagine imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> imagine hearing this and being like, fuck, that's a good song. Yeah. Dude, we, when I we can't the- wait till I hear it again. It's, it's so funny to me to think that people connect with these lyrics. They're like actually invested in... Martin's songwriting to the point where it's like yeah that's fuck that really gets me that's insane to me man like I know that like I'm terminally online and my irony is poisoning my brain but the idea of hearing this and sincerely connecting with it is insane to me yeah it's, it's so insane that I love it yeah it's the thing uh, that's that's what I arrive it, at. It, it is definitely what I wanted the song to be. <laughs> yeah. Like I was, yeah. I, I was They've delivered. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I oh, it, so it'd much. be crap if you were like, oh, it's kind of crap. Or even worse, if you're like, oh, it's actually all right. <laughs> yeah, that would be the worst. Yeah, I'm so glad it wasn't yeah. all right. It's exactly what you wanted the t- what, what, uh, what you wanted a tea party ballad to be. Yeah, yeah. It, it took my hatred and just like ascended. Because I remember the first couple of tea party songs we spoke about. I was. I certainly wasn't loving them, but I think I was Certain defending slant them. Certain of light? Yeah. I'm, and I'm, fire in the head. Fire yeah, in I the was head? Defi- Man, yeah. I, you people with your memories, what I'm, is this? I'm looking oh, at that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do you remember those Tea Party song titles? <laughs> um, like, I remember defending them and being like, you know what, there's an appeal here, like a that kind of Southern Gothic Nick Cave thing going on. Yeah. Like, I think I was with you the first couple of times as well, but it's only when I started to see the game yeah. a bit more and then Temptation happened that yeah. I was just like, no, this is... A shit yeah, magic yeah. Show. Hold on, this is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. What in a second? <laughs> this is as dorky as it needed to be. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, but people like it. So and funny. People hey? that like the tea party are like outwardly presenting serious people. It's not a bit. It's not a bit. No, I know a few people who like the tea party, and they're lovely people. <gasps> yeah, and we that's get on a, really well. That's the thing. And we have a lot in common. I, like, I'm sure there's like I have a fair amount of musical crossover with tea party fans, right? Yeah, absolutely. they're probably also like, like, nah, man, I love the Dirty Three. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I would say then maybe it's not even a case of it being musical. It's maybe a sentimental thing that the tea party have. 
or a, or a commitment or or maybe just like whatever it is that's making Jeff Martin sing that way, whatever whatever whatever, whatever condition that is, like um, existential. I mean. <laughs> 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 Yeah, he has a throat infection. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh. Whatever that is, the, the that emotional kind of state, maybe that's the thing that you, you can't get into. Because, like, could there be something that could change in this song that would make it something that you could understand people? I don't know. I, I don't think this is written from, like, a genuine emotional state. Like, it can't be. <laughs> right? Okay, yeah. I, I think this is written with an idea of what emotional songs are like and what tea party songs are like. I mean, I think a lot of bands, you you be in a band, you write enough music for long enough, you end up writing towards the idea of what those songs would be rather than just writing the songs. Yeah. I think this is part of what that is. I don't think anyone has felt the feelings that this song is apparently alluding to, right. least of all Jeff. Like... <laughs> I, I think he he's writing, he's like, what would a ballad be? What yeah. would a big song like this? You know, I think he, he thinks of a line, it feels now just like heaven's coming down. And he thinks, fuck, that's amazing. You've bloody <laughs> Not done it that again, amazing. Jeff. That's the name of the song. That's the song. Yeah. I've done it. Yeah. Tea party assemble. Like, we're going to number one this time. Because yeah. I just thought of, it feels like heaven's coming down. I can't, from- I can't believe they didn't do Bevan as falling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Or at least it feels like Bevan's like coming Bevin's down. Bevan's coming down. It's like a Wheel of Fortune reference as well. Yeah. Or <laughs> <laughs> now the price is right, dude. The price is right, yeah. <laughs> and now it feels like Bevan's come on down. <laughs> um, Jay from Friends of Rom. Can you please cover this? Because I know you want I to. I thought you were going to be like, <laughs> he loves this song. Like, no. I saw a thing where he loved it. No. And I was just like... Yeah. I, want him, I, want him to, I want him to cover it. All though. of my body was like yeah. seizing up in tension. <laughs> but people do like it. It got very high up. Like Honestly, you know, though, if you vote for it as a bit, pretty good. Oh, yeah. Like, it's a, it's <laughs> great subtle, bit. I've got to give it to you. I've got to give it to you. Like, it's subtle as a bit because like it's not like... A mad joke song. It's like yeah. You know, you know, is this the first episode that we've talked about with two joke songs in it? <laughs> <laughs> At number thirty-one, it's the return of Blink. One AD. Uh, what do we say? I don't know. Blink one eighty-two. Let's let's go with the official title. This is all the small things. Coming in at number 31 in the 1999 Hottest 100. Enema at the State is the album. All the Small Things is the song. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. That would be such a good bit if Nathan insisted he'd never heard this song before. (laughs) And just, like, stuck with it for the entire time. I have a degree in acting and I'm not a good enough actor to do that. Yeah, right? (laughs) Okay, Andrew. David. Uh, The last time we talked about Blink, we were talking about... uh, Josie. Yeah, oh, it's going to be my, fine. My favourite Blink song. Yeah. It's a very good song. And before it's, that, it was a good song. Yeah. Not yeah. a good song. <laughs> You've made it pretty clear that, you know, you didn't like this side of, of pop punk and, you know, it was kind of like the jocks taking over punk rock and shit like that. Like, I can imagine this, you know, kind of being one of Blink's signature songs. Do you have a tea party level hatred fire burning <laughs> in there? I'm sorry, I don't. I don't have the... The energy? Yeah, I don't, I don't think I've ever had that much energy. Um, <laughs> um, the, what like as is that you're right, David. As, as I've mentioned before, like pop punk works better analyzed through the lens of pop music than it does through the lens of punk music. Because if I analyze it through the lens of punk music, I just get angry because it is commercializing, watering down, and like dumbifying what is music that's very close to my heart and my ethos, and that is also rebellious by intent and countercultural by intent. And like this, like, like, I don't even know how to approach this song, man. Like, this is one of the most ubiquitous songs of our lifetimes. Yeah. It is so known to the point where, like, I've definitely heard this song 
within the last many years. I've heard it multiple times. I've never once thought to put it on. Mm. It's one of those, right? Mm. The amount of times it has been remixed in things and used in like music equivalents of shit posting. Yeah. I know I know all these variations of the song <laughs> to the point where hearing the original start to finish with headphones and trying to give it a critical listen for this is fucking bizarre to me. Mm. Like it's not as bad as watch my age again in terms of lyrics that's like ferociously dumb and like <laughs> and like mean-spirited dumb. This is just kind of innocuous and kind of like ostensibly kind of sweet in its lyrics. Like a but- Kinder Egg? <laughs> no, not that good. More like a like an old Easter chocolate that oh, has yeah. the white stuff on it. Mm. <laughs> As a pop song, it's okay. The hooks are catchy, like undeniably. Like the na 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 is very catchy. Yeah. Um, it's weird to even hear you speak about it like yeah, that. Yeah, but like as a punk song, it makes me absolutely depressed and oh, right. and miserable because like it's everything. It's not a punk song. No, though. I know, but the, but they but they are undeniably co-opting the genre trappings and language of punk rock as a band. I guess, like, you- I, I I think they've kind of moved past that at this. Like, they were just they were just skater kids that listened to Descendants and Bad Religion and stuff like that. You know, they're just they're taking what they've learnt from those songs. You know, which can just be either I want to hold your hand or oh, girl, suck. You know, there's just there's no middle ground. You you never get any middle ground there. And but that, but they were they were headlining warped tours and stuff like that. They were co-opting the language of punk rock. Like they, this was their, definitely their shtick. And people that liked them treated them and talked about them as if they were punk i did when i like i got into them when i was i don't know 12 or whatever and i was just like well this is punk you know because that's what you get told or you and you view them as part uh, of the spectrum you know like yeah because skate punk and pop punk are obviously you know they're trying to do very very different things to like what you would consider a straight up like down the line punk band it's a wide wide spectrum yeah of course but but, but, but and, and they're part of it though right i just mean like this being an evolutionary point for what punk rock would have happened to it as an idea is like sincerely depressing to mm. me like anything that gets popular enough to be mainstream is obviously going for not the most common denominator but a more common denominator in terms of its broad appeal that's what pop Everything is books, movies, art. The more people that it, that it can appeal to, the less challenging it is, like by default. And to p- have punk then become like this, the it, idea it stops of, being punk. It stops being because punk, punk is, but punk because punk is not just a a musical, a musical expression; style. it's a it's, cultural expression yeah. as well. And like that, that certainly kind of got erased in the nineties. I kind of the late nineties. Yeah, I okay. kind of infer. And today, like there's. Like, that isn't the case anymore. Like, partly it's because record labels don't have the direct... Control. Radio control that they want... And power that they once did to a certain degree. But, yeah. like, if, if this was seen as being, like... Like, oh, no, no. We, we have alternative music. Look at Blink-182. Why would yeah, we need to yeah. hire an actual alternative band? Like, <laughs> gotcha. Like, gotcha. that's kind of the thing. Blink-182, who, lest we forget, we're <laughs> going to be on Firefest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's also super funny to me that this is at number 31. I thought this would have bypassed Triple J entirely. I thought this would have gone straight to mainstream. I and think it just speaks to Triple J being a youth-oriented radio station. Yeah, true. Just, it's and kids just loving Blink-182. Yeah. Blink Blink got, Blink got at least one song off every one of their albums from Dude Ranch up to the self-titled yeah right <laughs> I, I find it very interesting that we're like having this conversation in relation to Blink-182 because the music itself doesn't lend itself no yeah to and but also for me when I when I hear you talk about that kind of thing like I guess I was never invested in yeah. any kind of music that was anything other than music mm. yeah because that's different you know like mean? all this analysis is it's analysis that is uh, like me being highfalutin because I I'm so heavily invested in the idea of an alternative culture. But also, I guess we're talking about that because it's really hard to talk about this song. Like, because it, it is. Yeah. It's all the small things. That's it. That, that, that's the review of the it's, song. It totally It's is, all the small though, things like, by the bland Blink-182. That's the review. Too, like, this is a song that gets played at weddings, you know? Yeah. Like, it's that ubiquitous. And Re- I think- Weddings? Yeah, you know, like... Probably not as, like, a first dance song, but it'd get... Like, <laughs> could you imagine? But it'd be on a wedding band's playlist yeah, for people absolutely. our age. A million, like, of course. We yeah, grew right. up with this song. It's weird thinking about it now because when we were, like, you know, 11, 10, whatever, like, it really feels like it. it's just ready to go for us. Like, yeah. of course, like, 10-year-old boys are going to love this song. Yeah. 
Like it's so it's so sentimental. Especially because the, the video is like yeah. directly taking the piss out of all the stuff that the girls the, liked. That that video to me is so fucking weird. It's a similar thing to like when Ben Lee says they don't play me on the radio. That's the way I like it. You don't uh, uh, like when he says that on his most famous song. Exactly. Yeah. Like we're, we're, if you position yourself as making fun of the mainstream or that, but then you are also like, it's Blink-182 fucking two. Yeah. Ridiculously huge at this point. Yeah. And they make a video where like, they make fun of 98 degrees, the band that has such fucking staying power. Like, it's yeah, it's always funny to see like, like cultural references in a music video. It's just like, Hey, you know, this is definitely of the now and you see that now, it's just like, what the fuck were they referring yeah. to? Like, <laughs> the thing that continually surprises me, though, whenever we come back and we talk about Blink-182 is just like how sincere and how soppy almost like the, they act- she, their songs actually are. She left me roses by the stairs, surprises let me know she cares. Yeah. Mm. If, you, if you play it on an acoustic guitar, it's a soppy love song. Mm. It really is. Yeah. And yet these are like, well, at least the image that I had at the time were like- Piss joke band. Piss joke jocks. Yeah. Who wouldn't take anything seriously, and you actually dig deep into the music and like? Because like the album after the take off your pants and jacket. Totally, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Josie was like a cutesy love song. Yeah, as well. yeah. and I remember you saying know? that at the same time. I think this, the sentimentality is pushed, and has less kind of grounding behind it. So I find it a little bit less endearing than I did with Josie because mm. I quite like Josie as a song. It's easily the, the I really like song. Mm. Yeah, I like the most. Mm. I don't know. I don't know what I'm really saying with that, aside from, like, it always catches me off guard how sentimental Blink-182 actually are. Yeah, totally. Well, that's like... uh, Everyone was quite surprised with that that last record before the breakup, the self or not title one. Because that has, like, some massive bits of sentimentality on there. Robert Smith makes a guest appearance. Mm. Yeah, that's a great track. It is a very good track. One of my favourite tracks. Then, like, it's kind of like... You'd be looking at, like, that's weird. They're going into, like, actual kind of, like... Like, you'd call it emo music. Like, it's no, weird, not that weird. Like, mm. not that weird. Yeah, yeah but, yeah, yeah not that there. big of a stretch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So, I don't have the conclusion to draw from this, but I at least want to bring to the attention that it's very interesting that we had Frenzel Rom further up the top, a punk band playing with pop ideas. Mm. And then we are ending with this. Mm. Mm. I said to be a pop band playing with punk ideas. The but, compare but, but, and contrast even, there. Yeah. The compare and contrast there. I don't know what the yeah. end result is. I haven't mm. run that through because that's only just occurred to me that there is a link between those two songs now. But I yeah. think potentially there's something in that when you compare. Like, what's the difference? Like the mm. the idea of um, you know sincerity working within a punk context, and then and then the genre things as well. Hmm. Also, I think it's like partly maybe at this time, like for both Blink and Frenzel. Both of the like, Amanda Camus was one of their major label moments, and yeah. Blink obviously a very major label band. Major labels would be pushing for you to have pop accessibility in your singles. Yeah, obviously. for sure. There is influences that are outside of the band that help control musical direction and narrative. Yeah, there are so many work. stories of, of artists being like, the label told us we needed to have another hit. Yeah, yeah. Or like you know, th- there wasn't a hit. Go back and yeah. Keep Go going. back and make one. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's very cool that they wrote a song about Kinder Eggs. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and the small things. The small, the small things. Small there. things yeah. inside Kinder Eggs. I think the roses on the stairs were yeah. a little statue of roses. Mm. On the, on the, on the mm. stairs that they built. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From Kinder yeah. Eggs. And then, yeah, because she is actually the company... Um, Kinder. Kinder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. It's like, yeah. like when you're talking about a ship and you give it a feminine pronoun. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Old dudes were just horny for ships. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're at sea for a long time. Going to yeah. be horny yeah. for something. Yeah. yeah. I just yeah. imagine Andrew just <laughs> taking the mic off and saying, Y'all ever notice? <laughs> yeah. You're working on a time fine. Have you ever seen any of these old dudes? <laughs> they are horny dudes. for ships. <laughs> <laughs> Ship, ship, ship. Hey, look, the ship material's coming, but you got to wait because that's always the, you know, it's coming. It's the last oh, thing no, I do. no, no, no. I, I don't do that anymore, guys. I yeah. don't do that anymore. I got some new jokes. Boo. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> About the SS Mary. And how they all want it. So I've talked at length about Blink-155, the Canadian podcast in which they review every single Blink-182 song. This time, uh, Sam was not there, so Josiah did the entire episode by himself. He talked about all the small things for 
over an hour and a half and it's one of the strangest and funniest fucking things that I've ever heard in my entire life. Oh, wow. So if you want to actually hear someone talking about the song and not... Yeah, just really disappointing <laughs> exactly did. why it's so fucking terrible. Oh, like, he, was t- he was not for it. Oh, no. Hated it. Um, but yeah, like uh, Adam Devine from Workaholics also had a stand-up bit all about this song. Like, I think it was like either him losing his virginity or kissing a girl for the first time or something like that. And that's so classic, just like associating like a band like Blink with your, you know, coming of age. And I think that that's one of the main things that has kept Blink quote-unquote relevant. True. Like, the That's fact that they are true. still playing arenas in 2019 is because we all grew up fucking worshipping them. And sentimentality, it's almost as if, the, you know, they were, these guys were playing the expanded brain long game. It's like, we're going to build this incredibly sentimental song that's about coming of age and... You know, people will get into it now, but they'll get into it even yeah. more later. This is food in the freezer, baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's And it's become very much bigger than Tina. Yeah. <laughs> Just marketing to kids, like this song. Like a kinder surprise. Like a kinder surprise. Like kinder surprise. The real kinder surprise was... The friends we made along the way. You know, when the you friends go- we built because we got the build ones. So yeah, like, nice. Good shit. <laughs> As opposed gonna- to the real Kinder Surprise was the friends that were already constructed once you opened the, the keg. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was going more like a Kinder Surprise in a, like an existential way when you grow mm-hmm. up. and Existential. Oh, God. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Yeah. 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 yeah the, the real surprise is how hard it is to make serotonin without drugs. <laughs> That's more what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Right, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Rough. That conclusively brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands. Uh, thank you for listening. Thanks to FBI Radio for having us. Before we get out of here, we're going to pick our favourites and our least favourites. Continue that ever-continuing goddamn motherfucking story of carryover champs. Carryover champs. All right, lads. What do we got? Adam? Oh yes. Oh <laughs> yes. Fave and least fave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what what's gonna be Adam's song this week? So pleased to say that Heaven's Coming Down is my new chump. It was Yay! it was destined to be this way. Uh emotion sickness retaining as champ. My fave from the episode was Grinspoon's Ready One. Nice. Good even, choice. Even though I incidentally slighted it by talking about Kinder Eggs. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to didn't mean to burn it so much. My fave this week was Friends of Rome, You're Not My Friend, but I my champ remains Murder Going Out Tonight. Mm-hmm. His favourite, uh, The Tea Party. My chump still remains the Bob Marley stinker. Yeah, good call. Mm. Uh, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to give it to Bev in the musical. I had that much fun oh, with it. Nice. nice. Yeah. Uh, his favourite, obviously, The Tea Party, but champ and chump remain Emotion Sickness, Sunday signing. Mm. Least favourite, obviously, Tea Party. I really liked the bit of having Anthony's part of Around the World as my chump, but I think... This is worse. Nice, oh, man. So, new chump. Mm. So, yeah, having coming down, new chump. Uh, I held on to every morning Good for like week 12 though. episodes. Yeah. I know. That was, a, um, that was a strong run. Yeah. Favorite uh, is You Are Not My Friend. And now I feel like I've just played myself with my champs because I'm like, I like You Are Not My Friend more than Emotion Sickness. But emotion sickness replaced sex laws, which replaced we're going out tonight. I definitely prefer we're going out tonight to you are not my friend. So, well, it's like a um, paper scissors rock. Thing. I guess <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't feel good though. No. Um, so, what are you doing? I guess I'm gonna make it my new champ. I guess the thing but about champs, I can't and champs. we need you to be definitive, man. We don't uh, want to. Oh, I, I suppose it's my champ. I suppose I'll be definitive and say yes, new well, champ. All right, there we go. Yay. He's doing the twofa. Yeah, that's right. Mm. It's like when you crack open a a Kinder Egg and you get two toys. You crack crack it open, there's a goddamn yellow power inside. (laughs) 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 On behalf of Mr. Adam Puncher. Yowie. (laughs) (laughs) Yowie, wowie. Mr. Nathan Harrison. (laughs) Yep. Mr. Andrew McDonald. I also really like the uh, the Kinder... um, Bueno. The Buenos. Mm. Very good. And the one that's just the little milk chocolates. The little small... The small stick bad boys. Not enough small plastic inside. No, Bueno's the one that, like... The little yeah no no that's one that's what I'm talking about that's not that's not a bueno I'm it, sure it's a bueno what yeah probably they're, they're damn good the Kinder obviously the Germans know how to make fucking chocolate my name is David Jeff Martin <laughs> everything is good for you. <laughs> if you class a Kinder egg as a food. 
with plastic inside it, everything's a kinder egg. Oh, <laughs> I love it. It would be weird. Like it's a stretch That's to classify it. That, <laughs> you know, Kinder Eggs—the food with plastic inside. It. Oh yeah, fish. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. no. Yep. 